Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential, where, you know, we talk to all kinds of people who are helping to shock the potential of others. And my guest has been a part of a couple different uh, interviews for me. So this is going to be really fun, though, because now we get to talk about his first published book. And so joining me today is Aaron Smith, and he is with Workplace Readiness Solutions. And he now has a brand new book out called Blank Check, which I had the honor of reading before it went to print or went to e-print. Um, and I got 90% through it. <laughs> so I still don't know how it ends. <laughs> so don't blow the ending for me. <laughs> Aaron, thank you for joining me today. Michael, thank you so much. It's it's always fun to talk to you. I feel like I've known you for years. I know. It's funny that way that, you know, I I get to know people so well through this podcast that some I've met in person, some I haven't, and some I can't remember because I'm mm-hmm. like, I feel like I've known you forever. So I'm sure we've met, you know, and other times I'm, you know, just, it's, it's just like a different kind of family because we have such great discussions about really important topics. And I know this is something you are absolutely committed to. So how about first give my listeners a little bit of an overview of your company and then talk a little bit, you know, just first at the beginning about why this book and why this topic? So you can kind of give like a, you know, a a headline uh, overview to the book. Okay. So my company's called Workplace Readiness Solutions. And the purpose behind it is to help bridge business to education. And when you think about it, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that are going well, but so many things that are still need to be approved on. Perfect example is our English language and our neurodiverse populations. Mm-hmm. When we think about some of these kids, they are extremely brilliant. They can memorize things. They can do phenomenal things with their hands. But the problem is we need to adapt our styles, not only as a business, but also as a school to make sure they're getting transferable skills for the future of work. And in my experiences as an educator, I've been really blessed to see things go from A to Z. I've seen kids that have just been so Eeyore, I can't do it, that type of thing. And then by the time they graduate, boom, they are locked and loaded, fully excited and ready to start a career. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's time for me to share some of these experiences with folks out there who are seeing the same problems. Because the way I believe it, 
it takes everyone to raise a child. And I think education should be everybody's business. It's such a great topic as well right now. And sometimes I think about, you know, I'm talking a little bit about our current event, you know, being home, you know, bound through COVID and, you know, people are getting back to work and getting back to school, but still there's going to be this huge gap. I, the great thing is you can see this new appreciation for teachers, <laughs> which is great. But I mean, even, even throw that into a mix that, you know, education is going to change and be changing because we may have to do this again, or, you know, we may have to put more things online and that causes an additional challenge to that whole process between the student, the school and the real world, the quote unquote real, real world. Oh, no doubt. And I, I believe in my heart, we're going to get through this mm -hmm. and you have to understand this is the new normal. Now you are not going to have kids in school five days a week. I, I just don't feel it in my heart. I feel like schools are going to get set up for more technologically advanced learning systems and platforms. I think the teachers have to get trained as well. And yes. it's a mindset for everybody. <clears throat> you know, kids have to understand that there's a little bit more of a responsibility on their end as well. And yes, parents, you are too going to have <laughs> to make sure they get up, make sure that they are doing their homework and their classwork. But I think in the end of it, if we do it the right way, we're really going to have a student slash graduate slash employee that's going to become a lifelong learner. And I think that's the beauty of it. Well, and that, I mean, that is such a great way to say it because look what we've learned just about business. So many businesses that would have never, ever thought that they could send people to work from home and still mm -hmm. be functioning. And, you know, how many times have people are like, why can't I just work from home one day a week? No, you can't. You must be in here. You must commute an hour each way. Yep. And I, I say that in jest, but by being forced to this, we have learned how to get along, how to organize our lives in our homes, how to, you know, integrate family time as well as schoolwork and, and actual, you know, adult work. Um, so, I mean, it's a great breeding ground to say, let's get our students ready for anything, but it's going to mean the students have to operate one way. Teachers have to, schools have to, parents have to. So we all have different dynamics that we would have never thought we needed three months ago. Oh, absolutely. The, one of the studies I read, it was a couple of months ago, but the study talked about e-commuting versus those in traditional workspace. And they found out that the employees that were e-commuting did have more productivity and it also saved the company office space mm -hmm. as a result of them not having to have a quote unquote office cubicle every single day. They just kind of shared a space. So yeah. it's a win-win. And Let's face it, as parents, if something's wrong with our child, our mind is not going to be at work. So why not have the availability to do both? Because mm -hmm. that's going to give more leverage to the employee, which will want to make them stay around more and support the company, even when they're not able to give 110%, they could give 60% because they're taking care of the little one. Oh, I so agree that when you're talking about that, I was thinking back, you know, my son is, is uh, almost, oh, he's just turned 29. So, and he, he's got two little kids. And I was thinking back to when he was, I think four and they um, started something at the hospital uh, in my hometown where they tried this, like, um, you know, where you could bring your sick child and they had nurses there and it, you know, it was probably 35, $40 for the day or something. And that was 30 years ago. So, I mean, that was expensive for us, but 
you know, I remember being thankful that I didn't have to miss work because he had a place to be. But all day I, I was torn between, I know he's physically okay, but I'm not there and it's a strange yeah. place. And, yeah. you know, what difference would it made if I could have then worked from home and kept an eye on him and had, you know, that much more of a connection? Really a true point. It is. I mean, and let's think about it. When we're sick, there's some staples we want. We want our mama's tomato soup. We want our couch. Okay. We want the comforts so that we can truly be as relaxed and hopefully as healed as possible when we get back on our feet. And yeah, it's a great idea. It's kind of a hybrid. If you think about it, mm -hmm. I, I think I've seen something like that on Gray's Anatomy. Um, so they have the availability of doing that chance, but nothing beats home, especially when mm -hmm. you can do work and you can do your family and take care of them. It's definitely going to be different. Well, so now talk, talk a little bit about blank check. Cause I remember before you even, mm -hmm. I mean, you were first writing when we first talked about this mm -hmm. and I know that your passion is really about, you know, there are things that we can do to impact our education system and give our students better opportunities. And that, yeah, I remember you posed it at kind of as, well, gosh, you know, if you had a blank check, could you accomplish anything? But you know, what made you write this and kind of talk a little bit about, about the theme of the book as well as why you're so passionate about it? One thing, I, I've been blessed in my education career going up from K through 12. I was not the model student, believe it or not. Um, I did have <laughs> two horns sticking out at times, but I had a lot of great people who just guided me and molded me. And on the flip side of it, as a teacher and administrator, I've seen some horrific things and things that no family should endure, things that no child should endure. I mean, we're talking the highest level of emotional distress, poverty, homelessness, child abuse, you name it. It's, I've seen it all, or at least I mm -hmm. think I have. And <clears throat> when you cobble that with the fact that teachers are being more constrained because of budgets and not being allowed the autonomy to truly teach what they know is right and teach what's called the hidden curriculum, the little gems that you find outside of the course that you can bring back in, it, it takes away life. It takes away the creativity of the classroom. So that's where the, the foundation of Blank Tech came from was what if we in a fictional world didn't have any variables that restrained us and it provided us with the opportunity to really set the precedence of making education first but while we're doing that we bring the community and they get supported at the same time so that while their children are being taught they have the opportunity potentially at the same site to get additional skills, to gain certifications, to get medical, you know, to help them get to that next level of the quality of life we all want our people, our, our children to be. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a win-win. When you fix education, you're going to reduce so many of the problems that we see in the world. And that's my prayer in this, is, is hopefully to raise awareness that it's time for all of us to change the way we view education. Mm -hmm. I love it. And, you know, um, right before we started taping, I was telling you, uh, you know, that right now in Philadelphia, we are, um, you know, we have had protests over, um, you know, 
some terrible injustice, you know, that was absolutely done. And they're incredible protesters that are peacefully protesting and they are, they, uh, they have a mission, they're trying to accomplish it. And in the backdrop of that, you have uh, looting and rioting and buildings being burned down. And last night in Philadelphia, we had uh, something like 24 ATMs that were uh, destroyed, bombs thrown Mm. off, uh, pulled out of, you know, buildings. So all this other chaos in the background and every time they show, you know, um, you know, pictures of a, a store being looted and you see people running out with boxes of shoes, for instance, shoes are, you know, the big thing, you know, so many times they're young kids. And I look at that and I think, where have we gone wrong? You know, where, where have we gone sideways where we have so many kids who are looting and rioting and lighting things on fire and you know where is that connection to make them feel a part of their community and on the flip side then you have people you know leaving their houses to go try and help these businesses clean up and help with all the trash that has been strewn about because there's a care of a community and and i know and there's just so much there i know that if we could fix it you know it would could be be better next time and i think that the premise of of what you write about is really, you know, hitting some of those core messages, what, what we can actually do to change society. It, it is. I, I'll never forget uh, an assistant principal who I worked with years ago. She, she used to pull me to the side. She goes, Aaron, just remember, kids don't care about what you know until they know that you care. And that echoes in every industry across the world. Whether you're a supervisor working with an employee, whether you're a parent talking to your child, whether you're a police officer and you're talking to a protester, you know, you have to understand what each other's going through. Are there some bad people? Absolutely. But the problem is we sometimes stigmatize instead of making individual decisions based upon unique cases. Yeah. And that's where the breakdown begins. And, and my heart hurts. I, I'll never forget this, this weekend, a gentleman, I was watching um, the news and this gentleman, African-American gentleman was crying because he was getting ready to open up a restaurant or oh, a bar yes. or something. A sports bar. So you know, a sports bar. And yes. he says, why are y'all doing this to me? Why are y'all doing this to me? I have done nothing to Mm y'all. And it gives me chills because you think about he's poured his dream. He has poured his life and probably gambled in terms of throwing everything, everything at the table to make this thing happen. And for people to come and steal it, you know, it, it, it's because those guys are hurting also. There's a backstory why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I bet yeah. you more than anything, if they were given a mentor or somebody to invest a little time in them, they wouldn't be where they are now. I agree. And I think that's, you know, that's how we do have to look at it and say, we as a society are failing them in some way. Mm-hmm. And how can we help those in one person at a time to try and make change, you know, the, the, you know, butterfly flaps its wings, you know, and there's a hurricane on the other side of the planet, we can do that, but it's really going to take, 
it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a blank check and it's going to take a lot of concerted effort. It will, it will, but, but nothing's impossible. Right. You know, and that's something that I tell all my parents is you've got a difficult situation, no argument there, but as long as you keep your head up and you keep going, you will find a way surround yourself with the right people and stay focused on those dreams. Get your children back on track, find a job, let the schools know that you need help. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I was going to tell you too, the writing in your book, you tell a really, it's a great story, actually. Um, I love the fact that it's, you know, it's a story and it's very compelling. And actually, I think I was a couple chapters into it when I, I almost just called you and said, why aren't you just releasing this as a novel? <laughs> this is a good story. <laughs> I want to know how it ends. But it's really, it was really, um, there's some rawness to your story. I mean, your story at times are, is really difficult to read um, because mm-hmm. it's, it, uh, it makes you a little fearful. It makes you look concerned. It makes you a little shocked, which mm-hmm. I think is what, you know, your hope is. And I, and I, but I think it's also, reality that sometimes we don't want to face as, you know, as a society or as individuals. It it is because our kids are smarter now than they were 25 years ago. And, And I really believe that the problem is they need more structure and guidance now more than ever. And the way that you bring attention to this is that you have to make them feel like they're in the moment is what would they do? if they see their child having an opioid addiction and you know they're being held hostage against their will because trafficking is another huge issue and mm-hmm. you know the way that you're only going to help them prepare for that is to give them these scenarios now so why not weave it into a story where at least there's some thought some a little bit of theory disbelief but more mm-hmm. so a chance to critically think through what would you do if. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It's really, I mean, you're right off the bat. It's really kind of smacks you upside the head and goes, wow, um, this is, this is quite a story, but it's, it's not a story that does make believe. I mean, there's, there's, I don't know what, I don't know if there's any truth behind part of your story. I want to ask you that too. <laughs> Cause if so, I definitely want to stay being your friend. <laughs> You will. You will. Um, I think any good author has eggs that they've placed in the book. Mm -hmm. And I think those that know me in one way or another know that there's certain eggs for certain things. And there's some eggs that I'll just keep for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the beauty of being an author is you've got a blank sheet of paper and you have the ability to imagine how you want it to end. When I first started it 23 versions ago, it was nowhere near where it was. I had to learn the journey of a hero. I had to learn really what a, um, <clears throat> the character's roles are. I had to imagine what it was all like. So it's, it's not just about writing and putting down the pen. You've got to do some research. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen the movie, The Martian, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Great movie. Did you know it started off by a chapter book? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so here's the background to this. Andy Weir started posting chapters to get input 
for his book. And because of his brilliant space expertise, it brought in other expertise. And that's how the story got developed into so realistic. You feel like it's today's problems and you're sitting right there on Mars. Oh yeah. So that's, that's kind of my approach to it was to find scenarios that are just as realistic and develop them into the story so that it becomes a teachable moment. You know, how do you survive when you've got these conditions and you have no fertilizer or you've got no oxygen and low batteries, you know, mm -hmm. same thing. What do you do in a situation where your schools are falling apart and you need supports, you know, yeah. how do you rally everybody to, to come together? Well, and even think about, you know, when we started in, uh, in lockdown for COVID, you know, how many schools didn't, I mean, they're like, well, what, we're going to just uh, photocopy, you know, 10,000 booklets and send them home because nobody has, we don't know how many kids have a tablet or how many have internet or how, you know, so many challenges that we have always known, you know, we've always known that there's not, uh, not every student has Wi-Fi or internet. Mm -hmm. We have always known that not every student has a computer at home. We've known that, but until this forced the issue, knowing it just was about as far as we went for the most part. And then all of a sudden being forced into that situation, schools are like, we've got to come up with a solution. We can't have our kids not have a computer. We can't have our kids not have internet. They need these things to mm -hmm. be able to communicate with us. So it's interesting to me now um, being forced into one change, I'm hopeful we'll actually continue to have other long-term repercussions that are positive for our students in terms of access to technology and learning skills that way that they wouldn't have learned otherwise. Well, that's the beauty of a challenge. You have to look for the golden nuggets outside of it. There's going to be companies that are going to form as a result of it. Surely there's going to be some that falter. And, mm -hmm. and I hope that they are able to get back on their feet. But through every crisis, there's heroes and opportunities. Mm -hmm. and, and I think part of our mindset as, as, as humans is we always focus on the negative things instead of focusing on what we know we can control inside of our bubble and how we can influence others the next level outside of our bubble. You know, yes. I, I don't believe in pointing the fingers because how is that going to solve a problem? Right. You just fix it here's the problem. This is how we're going to fix it. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's do it. And yep. it, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Stop playing politics and just do it. <laughs> well, and it's, it's really true. Um, it was funny because, you know, when this all happened, all of a sudden, you know, a 95% of my company income is from me getting on an airplane and going yeah. to speak somewhere. Yeah. And, and so all of a sudden, a hundred percent of that is gone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 95% of my business income is now gone in one day. And I remember I sat there one day and I went, hmm, this is not going to come back for a while because we're not going to be comfortable gathering in large groups. And, you know, so how, you know, what am I going to do about this? And I'd, I'd wanted to work on my app. Um, I'd been putting it off working on my app. I'd been kind of working around my app. And all of a sudden I said, well, I've got 100% of my time. Let's work on this app. And now you know, 11 weeks later, uh, we're about ready to submit it for approval to Apple and Google. So that'll be later this week. Um, and that, 
because I, I don't want to sit around and wait for things to return to another mm-hmm. way. I have an opportunity to change and pivot. I owe it to myself and my business to do that and my employees to do that. And it, it's bringing up so much excitement of things that I never even thought about. So every mm-hmm. challenge does have a way that we can tackle it if we're willing to pivot and, and look at it from, to your point, not pointing a finger, but just instead holding up the mirror and going, okay, <laughs> what you going to do now? <laughs> right. Right. And, and that's the thing is bad things are always going to happen to good people. How are you going to react? Exactly. You know, take that moment, internalize process, cool down and then go after it again, go attack it with a vengeance. You know, I, I think part of the reason sometimes bad things happen to us is to put fuel into us to get to the next level. You know, we, we are so capable of doing so many positive things. And I, I get reaffirmed when I remind myself, I think the brain only uses close to 10% of its capacity. Mm-hmm. So think about what you could do if you added another 10%, oh just God. 10%. Exactly. We'd be going crazy. <laughs> I know. I know. So many we, ideas. <laughs> we'd be going to Mars in 20 seconds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Aaron, if somebody's listening to this right now and they're like, oh, well, that sounds interesting. It's a book about education. And I know it's not. I mean, it is, but it's not only <laughs> that. You know, what, who, should, who should read your book and, and what will it give them? How, how will it make them think and operate differently no matter who they are and what they do for a living? Oh, you just giving me a softball question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I set it right up there for you. <laughs> oh. So Blank Check really was written for young adults. And, and I purposely put that because these guys are going to be the ones who are going to be really starting to make the change. It usually takes a generation to kind of hear it, muddle it around, but it's the next generation that's going to start building some traction to it. The other thing too is young adult readers, adults, I think it's like 30 or 40% of adults read young adult books. So Hmm. yeah, yeah. That surprised me too when I read it and just was like, okay, another reason to make this a young adult book. Yeah, no kidding. Those are the people who are usually um, more open-minded to things. Those are the people who are willing to take risks. Those are the people who are leveraging their networks and truly accessing things. Mm -hmm. So why not? You know, Blank Check is a story about a burnout educator who is tired of everyday status quo, but he combines his talents with a troubled teen, an everyday troubled teen. So when you think about it, we've all been burnt out of our jobs at one point or another. We all know children who are troubled going through some sort of crisis and think about the dynamics those two put together to succeed in probably one of the biggest challenges they've ever experienced mm-hmm. and they are rewriting history. I love it. And I think that that sums it up, but like I said, don't tell me the end yet. <laughs> oh, I won't. I won't. I know you'll call me when you do. I know. I know. You'll know when I, well, as soon as I get this darn app launched. <laughs> so many things to do. <laughs> I appreciate your patience with me. Oh no, so, it's fine. <laughs> so now I know it's available on Amazon, but tell, tell everybody else where, where can they find it? So they want to get your book. Where do they go to get it? 
Okay, so um, really you can go anywhere. You can go to Amazon, Barnes Noble, Kobo. I think Apple has it, Google Books, you know, the traditional places. Um, but also, if you want to, you can get chapter one for free on my website. And it's aaronsmithphd.com slash blank hyphen check. And right, give that one more time. Sure. It's Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, Smith, S-M-I-T-H, phd.com slash blank hyphen check. Perfect. So the first chapter really sets the stage and it's not going to be a traditional book. I assure you, I'm not a traditional person. You can ask my wife. Um, <laughs> I, I think some of the things that I put in there will probably make you laugh and also probably cheer you on because you can resonate with them. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it really does, especially the first chapter just pulls you in because <clears throat> to your point, we've all been there. Mm -hmm. We've all been at that point where you're like, I've had enough. <laughs> and, and your main character then really, you know, maybe feel sorry for himself for a little bit, you know, like we all do at times, yeah. but then said, okay, I've got something to accomplish and I'm going to go get it done. And that's, you know, I think that's the, the whole part of, of all of us is that point when you can be frustrated, you can be mad, you can be disappointed, you can be upset, but if you stay in that, whatever, you know, emotion is, and you don't get to the point of, okay, I'm going to do something about it. You're never, ever going to grow and you're never going to find new successes. Mm -hmm. You never will. You know, if you consume yourself with anger and hatred and evil, you slowly chip away at you are your originality. And I, I think that's something else that I really learned from that book is Josiah was angry. He, he mm -hmm. was flat out livid and he channeled that energy into doing something positive. And I'm hoping all the listeners out there are thinking and maybe doing the same thing. You're not the only one struggling. I assure you, Michael can assure you, we mm -hmm. all struggle, but it's how we get up after we're knocked down again to continue the fight. Absolutely. Well, and I'll guarantee you this, as soon as we're done with our interview today, I'm going to also download it from Amazon so that I can actually review it for you also. I'll be, since you were Thank kind you. enough to give it to me as, a, as an advanced copy, I will go through, buy it and rate it because Thank that you. is something that's so important to authors that I think readers don't always think about is we live and die by how many ratings we get and, and how good they are. So that I'm learning definitely. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, Aaron, before we wrap up any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Um, I, I guess when it comes to our education right now, the, the four things that I've learned is from a teacher's perspective, teachers have to be a little bit more patient and they have to understand that they've got to adjust their lesson plans. But from a parent and a family side of learning, you've got to be able to ask questions. You've got to make sure that the teacher understands where the breakdown is. So if everybody continues to give just a little bit more, I think it'll be a lot easier. And that's probably something I've realized not only in our schools around here, but from what I'm hearing across the world is it, that physical presence has made a difference in the classroom. And we, re, 
we have to reestablish our presence online and it's just doing it through the platform that we're given. That's true. Absolutely. Which is just another part of life. We constantly have to adapt and make sure that we're trying to find ways to communicate better than we did before. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, thank you, my friend. It's a pleasure having you on again. And I wish you the absolute best with this book. And I know that people will really be, um, and you know, you know me, I love to talk about shock, shock your potential. It will shock you. There will be parts of this that will shock you. And that's, I think, a really, really good thing to get, make sure that we get attention, we keep attention, and that we pay attention to the mm -hmm. things that are most important. Yep, definitely. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You betcha. And we will talk again soon. Definitely. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.